In this episode, there are references to sexual, mental and or physical abuse and could trigger some listeners. Please switch off now if you think this episode could be upsetting. The conversations on this podcast are between the host and the guest and are not directed at any member of the general public. The information is for your listening pleasure, but is not offering you any personal advice. If you have heard something that you feel may be relevant to yourself, please visit your medical practitioner or mental health provider. Hello and welcome to another episode of Life Changes You. I hope you've been well. I hope things have been going well for you. Today, I have Chris Avery. He's from Utah, USA. I love speaking to people in the US. And he's from Chris Avery Coaching. So how are you, Chris? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Oh, look, I'm excited to have you on. I mean, I'm going to say this. Uh, usually I let you unfold, but I just wanted to say this man is going to be running 2,000 days across America uh, to raise awareness for mental health and behavioral health. So that's an incredible thing to do. Thank you. Yeah, so we're, we're running 450, or like we ran 450 days up to until today consecutively. We'll run over 2,000 consecutive days. And then right after that, we'll go 176 days roughly straight for 30 miles a day. 5,200 miles is the plan as of right now. And then, of course, I'm talking to my wife and I'm like, is that hard enough? Like 5,200? Should we do 10,000, like 50 miles a day at 200 days? Like that seems more difficult. She's like, you're just crazy. Like, let's just do one. And I'm like, okay, okay, cool. So she she helps regulate me, you know? But that's that's really good to raise awareness. Look, we'll get to that a, a bit later on. Sure. Tell me a little bit about your coaching first. Yeah, of course. So really what our main focus is, is we work because the truth of the matter is I think there's so much healing to be done in this world, right? Most of us have suffered from some sort of trauma, something that's happened that we don't honor our feelings and emotions around. And so when we can start to honor and and process our feelings and emotions, and we can stop telling ourselves, Hey, like we're dumb for feeling this way. I shouldn't feel this way. Like, Oh my, I shouldn't be angry. I shouldn't. What emotions and feelings are part of life. And they're a very valid part of life. They're, they're what interpret most of our experiences. And so what we really do is we take somebody through a process, male or female. I love working with men and I really want to help men open up more yeah. uh, because I think the the problem is that most men think like that's weak. And I heard you had another podcast that I love the lady and it was, she was something about with men and something about a mountain. Will you tell oh, me? Oh, men against mountains. Yeah. Men against mountains. Yeah. And I think the challenge most of us face is we grow up being told like, you know, or, or my dad, like, don't cry, right? Like that's weak. Don't, don't share your feelings. And I think there is this bondage that's put on us in a sense from culture and from society, a lot of, and it's like, we're supposed to be strong. And, and the truth is strong is being vulnerable. Strong is being open. Strong is being with your person that you love and opening up that space for all to be said and all to be heard. And for those courageous conversations to be had. And so we work with both male and female, but I love the whole choosing your heart because when we choose something hard, there's something about it. When I, when I ran 50 miles, when I ran a marathon with no training, like there's something that cracks inside you. And most of us think like, man, these things, you know, it's the story of the gentleman that's carrying the pots. And and I'm sure everybody's heard this, but he puts two pots on a bamboo stick and they're big pots. And so he goes to the river every day and he grabs fills them both up, puts them back on the bamboo and carries them back to the village. And every day he does this. And one day this one pot says to him, like, man, I'm so sorry for being cracked. Like, I'm so sorry for dripping out water. The other pot, he's whole. He like, he takes all the water that you fill up. He takes back to the village and I'm always spilling some out, cracking, you know, the cracks spill some out. And he stops and he says, I don't think you realize the beauty you bring, right? If you look, on the right side, I, I always put you on the right side. And on the right side of the path, we plant flowers and your water drips out. And I think these physically hard things, emotionally hard things crack us. And for most of us, sometimes it's this physical thing that cracks us for that emotion to come up and be exposed. And there's something beautiful about that in life. Look, I like the story you just told because I've seen it before and I just think it's amazing, um, that story of, you know, watering the flowers as you walk past. And you're right. Look, everybody has trauma of some sort in their life. Some people are able to deal with it themselves. Other people aren't. And I liked what you said before about when you were growing up, 
you know, how you're told to man up and be strong. And, you know, as you were saying that, I was thinking about when I was probably, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, probably my dad saying to me, you know, oh, you shouldn't be crying now. You're too old to be crying, you know, as a boy. And I'm just thinking back, thinking, well, I don't even, I can't remember what I was crying over, but obviously whatever it was was affecting me and I needed to let it out. And and I guess, you know, we we hold on to that in the future. When we're going to cry, we think, oh, what am I crying for? Whereas we should just let it out, especially as men, because, it leads to stress, it leads to anger issues with men, domestic violence, all these things because they bottle everything up and they don't let it out and then it just comes out in the wrong format. I agree 100%. And one of the biggest challenges, and I think this is, I'd love to say it's a man thing and I I want to make sure just, I, I really do because I, I think this is so detrimental to society. Like men have things that are hard in life. Women have hard things that are in life, right? Like culturally, society, just in general, both of their hearts may be different yet they're both just as valid and like there's no like there's no men versus women thing and i want to say like to me when i coach somebody i can tell you almost every time i see somebody cry male or female they apologize yeah and i think like how shockingly profound is that about our cultures and about like the way we view ourselves and the way we view others that cry that you apologize because you're having an emotional reaction to something. And it, just like the earth rains and it cleanses it, the the crying is a cleansing thing. It's a beautiful thing. Like this may sound totally crazy. When I come home and I've coached somebody, I talk, I come to my wife. She's, you know, I, I don't, I don't disclose anything because it's private, but she says like, how is it? And a lot of times I go like, man, the person cried, like we nailed it. And, and I'm not saying like you have to cry to have success. But there is some like release that comes when you cry. There's some purification. There's some re- some processing of some emotion that's been cultivated and comes up and has been dormant for so long or suppressed for so long that it, when I see somebody cry, I go like, that's a beautiful thing. It's one yeah. of the most beautiful experiences you can have with another human being. And I think it also helps you to understand the situation you've been in or you're going through because when my housemate died back in January, I was one of the pallbearers and I was on the back and there was two guys in front of me. And as we put the the uh, uh, casket into the car, the guy in front of me just burst out crying and I grabbed him and held him and he collapsed in my arms and mm. it led me to start crying, which was great. And then when his wife came over, I passed him on and then my sister came up and grabbed me. And it was like it was one time where I know I've cried and I haven't felt embarrassed or felt like I shouldn't be crying or stop crying, you know, because it was it. we had to let it out. And it was I I thought that moment when this guy collapsed into me was just amazing because, you know, you don't see guys let go and just grab each other and go, this is shit, you know. I love that. That's a that's amazing feeling experience to have with another human being like and and I want to say. I uh, just, when you were saying this, it sparked. So my uncle, um, he, he killed himself a few years ago. And, and if this is not the right time to discuss that, that's totally fine. Yet when it came up, I was finally sober, right? I've been sober for years. And, and when I was not, when I was using drugs and alcohol and, and just the, some of the other stuff that happened in my past, which we can talk about if we get to, it really, it made me closed off. It made me, you know, in a sense, I was so so soft like i was such a soft person not in a negative way like in a very like loving caring way yeah like the the pain i said i don't want to feel that i want to close it off i don't know how to process that so i just became very hard right and very hurt hurt so i hurt others and finally years later i'd finally process it i'd gone through my own journey and i got to this point where my uncle killed himself and i you know i was like i think four years sober or something at the point and i just remember I, my mom calling me, it was her brother got, got the news. And I just remember just crying, like just for just, and my wife was in the car with me and I'm like, Hey, if you want to go inside, you can, I just need to stay here and cry. And I like, I'm going to get emotional about it right now. And I just cry and cry and cry. And for months, like on and off, I would cry and it, it still affects me. And it's just like, I think the, the one thing that also the crying does in that situation, it showed me how much he meant to me. Yeah. Right. I wasn't emotionally affected 
and I mean this nicely, like there's people that die every day that we don't know. We don't cry. Like we may feel like, oh man, that's, that's really tough in life for somebody else. But the tears also add value to our experience. And I believe that's a beautiful part of it as well. Grief comes in different stages, different waves. Some people feel it, some people don't. And I know uh, I had a friend come to me after Adrian had passed and said, I still haven't cried. And I said, and? And he said, well, you know, everybody else has cried. And I said, but there's no time limit. There's no restriction on what happens with grief. You might not ever cry. You might have worked it through. You might not have worked it through. But no one can tell you when you're supposed to cry. And I know there's the five stages of grief. And they're amazing to look at and to work out what happens to us as we go through those stages. But I think people don't realise that those stages can go back to front and all over the place. It's not necessarily that chain that you're going to run through of your emotions. And some people will take forever. Some people will will get through it quite easily. And there's no shame in either way. But this guy was really worried that because he hasn't cried, he hadn't processed what had happened. And I said, no, it's nothing about what what you've processed. It's, It's about it's not right for you at the moment. And you will get to that. I mean, his parents are quite elderly as well. So he's been supporting them. So I guess, you know, for him, it will be when they feel a bit better. That's when his grief will come. Yeah. And I think that's so profound and so well said. I used to work with a therapist and, you know, he was not the biggest fan of the five stages of grief. Right. And his whole thing was, it makes people think you have to grieve in a certain way. And if you don't like grieve in that way, then you didn't really grieve. Right. Or, or, oh, okay. This is just a cycle. And like you said, people grieve differently. Like there's no pressure to grieve a certain way that I think the, the truth of the matter again is as long as you're not suppressing those feelings and trying to run from them. And, and again, like you can be there all at some point in life. Yeah. The, anything we suppress emotional wise or feeling wise, it comes back on us in in a certain way for all of us. And that's the truth. And it took me a long time to realize that, like, right. There were so many negative things that came up in my life because of the suppressions of the feelings and emotions of stuff from my past. And I think, but I I really do love the whole, like grief is different for everybody. The cycle through it is different for everybody. The cycle of growth and change is different for everybody. Just be compassionate to yourself, be compassionate to others. Because as you said earlier, all of us have some trauma. All of us have different life experiences. The thing that's in common is we both, we all have emotions and feelings that interpret those stories. And look, I I guess from what you just said there, we all have emotions and now I've forgotten the other word you said, but feelings, uh, feelings. Yeah. I still think we're a long way off for men to actually understand that it's okay to show your feelings and emotions. It's okay to be with them. And, uh, you know, I went and saw Eckhart Tolle two weeks ago. And I mean, I used to go and see a lot of different people talk and stuff. He's the first person I saw that talked for two hours. And it wasn't until quarter to, well, 15 minutes before he finished that I looked at my watch to see what the time was because it was mesmerising and just Mm. being in the moment and focusing on yourself and your breathing and, you know, and look, uh, 20 years ago I used to think meditation and all that, what a load of shit. Then I learned, (laughs) then I studied my counselling and then I was like, well, actually it does have a place here and, you know, there's so many things that men and women could change their lives by experimenting with like meditation, journaling, things like that or even just talking to a therapist. And I liked how you said with the five stages of grief that it doesn't fit everybody because I, I think what, what I usually say on the lives is if you go to a therapist, a counsellor, psychologist, whoever, and you don't feel like you're getting anywhere, change because yes. not every therapist is going to fit you and you're not going to fit every therapist. So, and it's or sometimes like the five stages of grief, you might get 10 therapists who go, all right, let's go through the five stages of grief. And then you'll get someone else who goes, look, I think you're in this stage. And I think what's happening to you is this and not necessarily focus on that. And that might be your type of person. So everything is actually, it should be directed at, as one to that person instead of what statistics say. Yeah. And I, and I want to say like, I heard, I heard on one of your podcast and you were referencing like a friend that went to, I think like five sessions or 10 sessions with this lady and he was a gentleman and he went for, I think something with sexual or something in a relationship of that, of that certain uh, setting. And he said like, he never got to it. Cause he just 
thought he was supposed to keep going to her. And I will say, I believe that we are all guides, right? I, I don't even like the word coach or therapist. I think if you are fine, if you want somebody to support you in your growth and your healing and your elevating your life, the truth to it is the the best ones are guides. You do, you have to do the work yourself, yeah. right? That person can simply guide you and help you cultivate it inside. Yet there is nobody that's, or I haven't, maybe, maybe there is, I haven't met somebody that's powerful enough to just go like, you're healed. If they are, they're <laughs> probably making tons of money out there. But, you know, in a same sense, like if you don't feel comfortable enough after a session or two to actually bring up the, the real things that you're there to work on, it, like there's, there's not, there's a disconnect between you and the coach, the therapist, the guide to help you and you for yourself, for your own like care, it, it it's gotta be a must that you change and go look a different direction. It definitely, because you obviously haven't built up that rapport, that communication yeah. style where you feel comfortable and vulnerable enough to talk to someone. I was reading yeah. statistics the other day that for 20% of men that will go and see a therapist, if they don't feel comfortable or understood in what they're saying in the first session, they'll never go back. And then a further 30% said that if they went there and walked in the room and didn't like the person, then they wouldn't go back. Now, that's a lot of people who are walking into rooms who have got the courage to actually go and admit they have an issue that they need help with. But then they get somewhere and they go, oh, you're not the right person for me. Or no, this doesn't fit and don't come back. Wow. that's probably why we're finding it hard that men do go for help. And I know in Australia as well, there are, I think it's like 75% of psychologists are female, 25%. It might even be less than that. It might be 15% are males because more males are psychiatrists. And people say, look, I don't need to see a psychiatrist. I just wanted to see a psychologist. And I guess if you're a male and you want to go and talk about domestic violence, uh, anger issues, sexual problems, and you walk in and it's a female, you're probably going to go, oh, I don't know if I can discuss this with a female. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's fair enough. You know, you might want to see a male because you'll feel that you can open up more. Yeah, and I I think it's interesting just from my own journey, whenever I run groups or whenever we do one-on-one coaching, and I mean this like not in a hurtful way, but one of my favorite things that I have experienced in my life is sexual molestation when I was a young kid, five or six, I would come up. I, I'm originally from Phoenix, Arizona. Now I live in Utah, but I come my grandma lived up here. So we'd come up here and we had cousins. I was molested by a cousin for a couple summers. Wow. And and it, like I'm not saying like, yes, I, I'm so grateful that happened. But in a sense, I'm so grateful that happened because I've been able to heal and, and move and get something from it. And it's amazing when you're in a group of men that have never said that before like they've never admitted yeah. to anybody and and even if they don't admit it sometimes you say it and you can go you can see their reaction of like mm, that connects with me yeah and i think that i know statistically wise there's far vastly more women yet we also know statistically wise there's vast vast fewer men reporting it and i think that's one of the challenges right and and the sexual molestation i went through obviously when i was a kid it, it gave me this weird perspective of like what sex is, right? Like my my mom and my aunt raised me for a lot of my life. And so they, you know, you have sex with the one person you love and like, is that sex? And then that brings a whole weird, weird stigma into my life and and set me up weird for like addictions with pornography and drugs and all that fun stuff. Yet I'm still so grateful because now I have that and, I, and I've moved past that. Um, to like help others hopefully connect and go like, it's okay to admit that it's okay to find a way um, to heal from that. And look, I mean, it, it, it's funny you say that because I spoke to someone a little while ago on here and I'm pretty sure it was Mila from Germany. And she was saying that she had been raped and, you know, she wasn't grateful for what happened, but she'd learned how to forgive and move on. And mm-hmm. she said, if she hadn't done that, then she would still be stuck in the same place she was when that happened and it took her a long time through therapy and now she she works as a life coach as well and she said what I bring now is like what you're saying there's that understanding there's that it's almost like a key to say you know you can come and talk to me because I can understand what you've been through I don't understand exactly what you've been through but I I can empathize with you because I've been there I've it's happened to me too and for you being a male being open to talk about that is is a major thing because 
as you said before, statistically with males, you know, we hear about male teachers having sex with underage schoolgirls in their class, teachers, Mm -hmm. and then you hear of the females having sex with boys underage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's almost like your friends would pat you on the back if you're a man going, well, hey, you got to sleep with the teacher, even though they might not feel that comfortable about it or they might have been groomed into doing it and feel like, oh, I didn't want to do that, you know, whereas on the other hand, we're more, no, that should never happen. So it's sort of like a bit of a blurred line when it happens to males, isn't it? I know with males who are who are raped, you know, half of them, probably three quarters of them don't go to trial because they've seen what's happened to males who have gone forward before. And it's almost been like, well, you had an erection while it was happening. Well, that's just a male thing that will happen. And right. yet it makes them look as though they were enjoying being raped by someone. So men don't come forward and talk about these issues. Yeah. And I, I think, it, and I, and I, and I'm not trying to be vulgar, but it, so we get an erection, women get wet. So like if a woman got wet, is that not rape? Like, I don't, I, I, I don't know if they get wet or not. That's not my point. But my point is like, how do that, how does that define it? Like you said, if you understand male and sexuality, like that's an inevitable thing with enough yeah. friction that, yeah. that happens. And I just think it's amazing to me that going back to the student and the teacher thing, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter even if the kid's like, yeah, I totally wanted it. Yeah. If there's an adult and there's a child and that's the standard we live by, then there is some sort of influence, manipulation, right? Like, and also if we look at the teachers that's doing that, let's have some compassion and concern for that person. Like there's clearly something going on inside them that they are desiring that with a younger, younger adult or a younger kid. And like, why is that? Right. I, I, I'm not the person that's like, kill them all or get rid of like i think to me i have compassion for that i go like there there was something with my cousin like that he felt some necessity that we you know hook up or 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 touch each other's private areas and groom those and stuff and it's like i think to me there's something going on that like hurt people hurt people so somewhere along the line something happened to him that adjusted in his brain i believe and and caused for him to like seek that out can and I, I ask to, you how old he was? Oh uh, yeah. So my recollection was he was around 14, you know, 14 and 15. Wow. That's a yeah. big age difference, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's, and I mean, obviously when you're five or six, you don't have a ton of like reference for yeah. sex and appropriateness or not, or maybe, right. maybe other people do. I didn't. Yeah. And so, but yeah, that's how old he was. Wow. Wow. So how did you put all that back together in your head and work through things? I mean, obviously you got addicted to drugs and alcohol and that's the byproduct of what happened to you. Yeah. So like, you know, and I, and I don't want to blame, like, obviously I made the choice to do drugs. There's people that have the same experience happen and never touch drugs yet. I mean, obviously, you know, how I, I satisfied it in the beginning for 14, 17 years of using was just copious amount of drugs, alcohol and you know, weed, cocaine, pornography. But after I decided like, man, it's just, this is just killing me. I'm grateful for alcohol more than weed or cocaine, because if I was smoking weed, I would still be smoking weed, I think today. But like alcohol was so dark and took me down to a, I just killed me, took me down to the rock bottom that I got back up because of that, not because of the cocaine, not because of the weed, but like pornography and alcohol were the two ones that like just ate my soul alive. So how did I do that? Uh, that's a great question. You know, I, I went to, I went to different options and, and like we just said, like find the option that works for you. I can tell you all about the options that didn't work for me, but that's going to be less relevant to somebody out there because it, the options that didn't work for me may work for them. Um, I finally, somebody was loved me enough when I didn't love myself to follow up with me for 13 months in a row. He connected me to this guy. Um, his name's Michael Burnoff. He works in Phoenix, Arizona or Scottsdale, Arizona. And the truth is he just, he helped me understand. He helped me start to like understand my feelings and, and emotions, right? How to process them. He took me through this journey and like he, he ran live events and got on his phone calls, met with him occasionally, like one-on-one. Yeah. He took me through this whole journey of understanding like my, my past, understanding how to talk to myself, understanding how to like go through my brain and start to restructure neural pathways, start to restructure my vision for my life, gave me hope. 
And with that, really, that was just like the beginning of the journey of re- reading, listening a ton of like, you know, back then it was CD. So we, you know, I'm old. So we'd listen to CDs, you know, on that CD player. Um, yeah. Now they're all on, you know, digital, but I would listen to a ton of audios, read a ton of books. And I really just started to take myself through this process of understanding, like you have to feel to heal. And all these emotions that I was suppressing for so long were just, I just didn't understand how to do it. And so he just helped guide me through that. And I, I will say this, like I found God and I believe that was a huge part of forgiveness, forgiveness of myself, forgiveness of others. It, it's just such an amazing journey to look back and go like, man, had I never done like made this choice or it's the small choices that we've like, you know, I think most of us are like ha- waiting for that come to Jesus moment. Like, oh man, when I do this, it, everything will be perfect. And it's really these small incremental choices that we can't even necessarily say are changing our life at that moment, right? Steve Jobs said, you can't look forward and connect the dots. You can only look backward and connect the dots. And I think that's so true. And there's these small choices that I made or other people helped me make that really led to my healing. And it it was, I love to tell you, it was like, oh, in three months, like six months I was healed. You know, it was, it was years and years of wanting to get sober in my house, relapsing, getting, getting more sober time, relapsing. Yet I'm grateful again for the journey. Cause I, it, it's worked. I figured it out and I feel like I'm grateful for who I am now. So when I look back for the, to the past, I go like, it all happened for me, not to me. And there's some beauty to go back into these things that happened in our past and then really start to pull out like lessons like, Oh man, what did this teach me? Oh man, what did this teach me? There's one thing I love to work with clients. I was just helping somebody with this the other day and we're looking at the past. And we're like, what does this do? Like, what does this do? How does this shape us? And when we can start to see value in these things, they become more valuable. And when these negative or positive, whatever words you want to put to it, I'll just say the things that happen to us, um, when they actually give our life meaning, they become more meaningful. And then when we look at ourselves, we start to feel empowered. We start to feel more confident. We have more belief in ourselves. And it's, it's a way to continue to move forward that, man, if I overcame that, like, how strong am I? How much can I continue to overcome? And and I think that's the beauty of these past things that have happened to me. Can I ask you why you felt you needed to forgive yourself? Oh, yeah. Do you want like, I mean, I will give you all the dark and dirty details. I mean, like, again, I'd love to tell you like, oh, people did stuff to me. I never did stuff. To, I mean, like, I know like, I, I'd love to find some of the women that I did stuff to that I'm sure hurt them and mess uh, them up. Right. Like I and I mean, this nicely. like I follow somebody. I don't know if I should say this, but I'll say it anyways. I followed somebody home with like guns, right? Like I had guns and I like, you piss me off on the road. I carry guns in my car. I yeah. follow you home. And then I pull up to outside your house and I say like, Hey, if you ever fuck with me again, I know where you live. I have guns. I'll see you soon. Right. Like, and that, that, that had to mess with somebody mentally. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't mess with me mentally. Yeah. So, and I mean like there's other things, but those are like the really dark and dirty ones. And again, I will say looking back at the past, and looking at those things and realizing there's a dark wolf and a white wolf inside us and whatever one we feed grows. Yet I will tell you, none of all those things in the past are still part of me, right? Yeah. I'm not getting rid of my past experiences. And when I work with a lot of clients, most of them are like, oh, I don't like that about me. I want to get rid of that thing. It's like, if you want to get rid of that thing or you don't like that thing, you want to get rid of a piece of you. That means you do not love yourself fully. And I want to forgive myself. I want to learn from those things because then I can love myself fully. And that's the truth of the matter. If I was like to sum up what I want people to do is trust themselves, feel empowered in themselves and love themselves fully. And when we can look at the past and we don't want to get rid of anything, we don't like tell ourselves we're a horrible person for it. We can finally love ourselves fully and there's no hole anymore. Yeah. And that's what I was trying to fill with drugs, right? It's like, let me fill that hole. Let me fill that like not love hating myself, self-loathing. And look, you're so right because, you know, we, we learn coping strategies and we learn how to change things to make ourselves better. But what you're saying is 100% correct because those things have still happened to us. We might not like what's happened to us, but we can change from what's happened and we can learn from that. Whereas some people are like, oh, I really didn't want that to happen. And they focus on that and they don't move forward because they're still focusing on, well, why did that happen to me? 
There's no change or clarity when you obsess about something that happened earlier. I know Billy Connolly in one of his books wrote about his auntie, and I can't remember if it was if they sexually abused him or if it was mentally and physically, but he said in an interview years ago, you know, I had the choice of either sitting there and going, woe is me, look what happened to me, or getting up and changing what happened. He said, now it doesn't mean I don't forget what happened and I still have times where I have hard hard times dealing with what happened to me. He said, but I had to make a choice to move forward because I couldn't live where I was. I needed Mm -hmm. to break out of that and move forward. And then his wife, uh, Pamela Stevenson, wrote a book uh, about him and in there she documents all the things that happened to him and said, you know, it, it takes someone to actually fully understand what has happened and how can you change from that position without just dwelling on everything that's happened to you. And like you're saying, you know, I mean, yeah, I haven't had really bad things happen. I've had people like my sister pass away and stuff. And, you know, people say to me, how did you ever get over that? Oh, I could never get over that. Well, you don't for a long time. And I'm still not over it. I'll hear a song in the car and I burst into tears. But Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that I can't continue with life. It just means that you have to, I guess, compartmentalise some things and go, okay, yeah, I'm still not good with this, but I'm working through it. But today I need to do this and this. Yeah, Daniel, I, I think that's so spot on, right? And I think the truth is forgive, you will never forget. Right. So don't try, don't want to get rid of things because you won't forget them. They're in there. And if you've yeah. dwelled on them as thousands and tens of thousands, hundred thousands of times, like I have, I'm not forgetting them. And I think you're right. Like, and I, I want to say this, and I think Hunt, this is hundred percent true to me. What you like you going through your sister dying um, or passing away. Like, I, I don't know that that is be- better or worse than what I've gone through. Like everybody's emotional and their experience and their feelings tied to it. Like I, as far as I know, maybe you, you're smarter than I am. So maybe there's a test out there that we can do. Right. But I don't know that test. Yeah. And I, like, I hate when people come up to me like, oh man, like, you know what? Like mine was so much worse or mine was well, but mine wasn't as bad. Right. You, you have no measurement of that again. Like that's another way we suppress something. So we don't have to like experience it. It's okay. I don't know if mine was worse or better than yours. I know what my experience was. And that's true to me, whatever your experience or that person's experience is, it's true to them. And I want to honor that. And I want to help them move towards that healing. Yet I think there is like, I truly believe this, all the stuff in our past, or or we can choose certain things in our past that make us fucking like superheroes. They're like our superpower. Like I, I wholeheartedly believe I want to be running for 450 days, had some of the stuff not happened in my past. And some people may look at it and go like, Ooh, that's so crappy that happened to you. And I'll say like, it's so amazing happened to me because of who I become from it. And it's, if it's my superpower, like I'm so thrilled by it because again, those things are the ones that like shape us. They really do shape us into the person we can be. And when we're pumped and excited, and I'm not saying like, everybody's like, yeah, I, and not every day do I wake up and go like, Oh, it's sunshine and you know, <laughs> rainbows outside. Like there's tons of hard days. The tons of hard days are the character building days. The the beautiful sunny days are fun to celebrate, yet they add less value to be, I believe, in our life. They add way less value. Yes. When I go out for a run, it's super hard and I hate it. I'm like, man, I, I just want to do, like I go to my wife and I'm like, I want to do nothing. Like, I don't want to even run today. Like, I just, should I just quit? Like, should I call it a day? And yet when I get home, the value, the, pr- the pride, the, you know, the amazingness, I feel the beauty I go out and see in the world that gives me way more value than the day I go like, man, I just ran today and it was so easy. And I take off my shoes and I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Look, a couple of things that when you said about comparing, you know, my thing is worse than yours or blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I guess we're taught that at an early age because I can remember being a kid sitting at the dinner table in England. And one of the uh, things my mum used to say was, you know, you should eat all your dinner because there's kids starving in Africa. So already comparing. Oh, mine was China. Oh, okay. Mine was China, yeah. In America, we say China. In obviously England, they say Africa. Cool. Yeah, Go ahead. And, and you know, like when you've got something wrong with you, I used to be because I've got fibromyalgia. I used to be on different groups on Facebook, and everybody was always like, you know, if you said, "Oh, I tried this medication," or "I tried this not medication because I didn't take any, but supplement," and it made me feel a lot better. And then there was all these negative comments under this. Oh, you're not as sick as me. Obviously, that works for you. It didn't work for me. There's no, wow, that's really good. I'm glad it helped you. There's no lifting anyone up. It's all, 
comparing your diagnosis. And so in the end, I left all those groups because I thought, you know, no one wants to hear anything positive and there would be other people in there. And you'd see all the comments underneath because they said, well, I tried this and this worked for me and I feel better. And I actually wrote on one of them, there's no point putting your opinion on here because people don't want to get better. And then someone said, oh, we do want to get better. You don't know each other. And then all the comparison started again. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, look, I just need to be away from that, focus on myself, and I managed to get by day to day with not too much fibro pain. Uh, other people, you know, and, and it's also a mix of all the medications that doctors pump you full of. I was on six when I first got ill. I went down to one and I only take one now. I got rid of all the rest because of the side effects of everything else made me even worse. I was, you know, I was lucky I had a specialist who said to me, if uh, you'll be lucky if by the time you're 50, you're either in bed for the rest of your life or in a wheelchair. Well, I'm 52 wow. now and I'm not in a wheelchair and I'm not stuck in bed. I'm working full time in my business with my business partner. I do the podcast. I help my mum out, you know. So I live a life not always perfect because having fibro, you have to have days where you just sleep all day. But, you know, it's it's about choices. It's about making changes and adapting. You know, when you were saying about going running and, you know, you don't really want to do it, I was in the same situation. When I went walking, it just, it was so painful. So mm. I didn't do it. And then one day I thought, if I don't walk, do 10 minutes there, 10 minutes back, I'm never going to do anything. And then so then I just kept extending on that. And it's not always something we want to do, but we have to do it for ourselves. And it did change my mental alertness. It did change how I saw the world. And talking about Eckhart Tolle before, I learned mindfulness from that because when I'd go walking, I'd listen to the birds and see the trees and hear dogs barking and see my dog running in front of me. And, you know, all these things that you don't see when you're laying in bed going, oh, woe is me, I'm dying. For sure. Like I've never experienced that pain that you've gone through. Like, Daniel, when were you diagnosed with that? Uh, I think it's about... 12 years ago it might be it might even be longer than that because i don't remember because i don't dwell on what happened okay i've learned to work through it and to work with it yeah and, and i think i think that's a beautiful thing is learn to work with it right i think that is a powerful statement that you just said and i think for me for a long time because i was in that victim i would have been that person like obviously i wasn't on a lot of social media back then and it was also probably for a lot of social media but i would have been like you don't even know you don't even know my life where you molested it right that would have been me and I'm saying I have hope for those people that at some day they'll wake up and realize that pain is so great that they want to change. And I think for most of us, right, we're the boiling frog that's getting put in the water and slowly boiling, but hopefully it gets hot enough where we jump out. Um, man, like it, there's true beauty in pain. I think there's true revelation and understanding of ourselves in pain. When I ran the 50 miler, I was way underprepared. When I ran the marathon with no training, obviously that was way underprepared. Yet there was the reason I got, I, I hate running just so everybody knows. Like I ran seven times in 20 years. That's how much I hate it. And my wife, when we were dating, she's like, you want to run a marathon? I was like, absolutely never. Why would I pay somebody to run? That's absolutely the dumbest thing I've ever heard, right? Like you're insane. And so funny, like then she goes and runs. She's like, I'm going to run my last marathon. I'm like, okay, your friends dropped out. I'll run a marathon. I'm just going to buy some shoes and walk in them. I just want to see if I can do it mentally. Cause obviously everybody can keep one foot in front of the other. Um, as long as you don't like pull something or break something. And so, um, there's just tr like, when I got done with the marathon, I, or when the last point two out of the 20, you know, 26 miles done point two left to go, there was just something inside me that went like, I could die today. And if I died today, I would feel amazed by myself. I still feel so proud and excited about life that you don't necessarily get when you don't have pain and pain is one of those great teachers when I did the 50 miler, I mean, I remember like me and my wife got done and we were crying and she's like sharing some stuff that people posted and just, just in general, like people commented, like texting us that knew us. And it was just such a, a bonding moment. And I think the same thing happens when we're vulnerable, when we have those courageous conversations with people we love. Oh, they're not fun to have. Like when me and my wife have those, they're not fun yet. Like that night, the next day, there's some beauty that comes from it. There's some deeper connection that we feel bonded. And I always encourage anybody, if you are feeling lonely, if you're feeling like disconnected, if you can take 10 seconds of courage to be vulnerable with somebody and, and, and have them be vulnerable back, right? It's not just about you, but if you can, that is builds such a connection that there's just something that like changes inside us. 
And I think that's amazing. And, and just going for a walk, going for a run when your legs are just killing you. And I'm sure your pain is vastly superior to mine. If we're going to measure them, I don't know though. Because right? they're not comparing. Yeah. Yeah. Of course we got to compare, you know what I'm saying? Like mine's bigger than yours. Um, anyways, <laughs> um, but just there's beauty in the pain and there's such lessons in the pain. And that's the reason I really love going to the past and understanding in a different way, because I truly believe it's the thing that shapes us one way or the other. It's shaping us. We can either choose to like interpret the story and start to like define and design the story that we want, or we can take the old story that's holding us back, that's keeping us a victim. And then we know, we already know the result of that. Yeah. Yeah. Look, there's no growth is there without pain and, you know, to be vulnerable, to be able to talk about things that have happened to you. um, I, I, I guess with doing that, this is why coaches, therapists are, are really good because it's actually someone that you don't know who hopefully will keep it to themselves and you can work through the issue. But if you yeah. do have that person in your life that you can just be open and honest with and talk about what's happening, that's an amazing thing to do because it helps both of you understand completely what the situation is you're going through. I mean, last year with my housemate having a terminal illness and being told my mum did, and then they told her she didn't, you know, that was two people that I was really close to who had a terminal illness. And some days I don't know how I got through a day, but I had people around me, friends that I could talk to and go, look, I just feel really shit today because Mm -hmm. this is going on, this has gone downhill, we're not sure about that. And you can be vulnerable, you can be open, you can cry, and that helps you get through it. Because sometimes when you just keep all those ideas in your head, that doesn't help you because then all you're doing is overthinking and overprocessing the same thing. But when you get some other people's opinions into that, and they say to you, look, maybe you should just go home and have a bath. At the time, you go, have a bath? How's that going to fucking fix this issue? But then when you get home and you have a bath and you relax and maybe you're reading a book or listening to some music in there, you actually go, well, actually, this was a good idea. So people can put those little ideas in your head that you might not do that day, you might do the next day. But they're, they're ways of, I guess, self-care for yourself because you're yeah. so on autopilot in things that you don't realise you need to take a break. Yeah, you're you're stuck in like a pattern or a loop. And I and I think when you said that it triggered me back to what I was using, right? Like for I had people around me that I loved, but because the shame and guilt was so strong and like it just had a hold of me and like, oh, you're worthless. You're never gonna, you know, amount to anything. Like, oh my goodness, you think you can do something more? Like you are such a horrible person. Look at all these things you've done. And just like you're a drug addict. Nobody like nobody will ever love a drug addict, right? You're a piece of sh- shit, you know, things like that all those good, healthy self-talks um, I had with myself. And the, it just kept me stuck for so many years because I was afraid to open up it. And, and like, there were people that loved me, but I was afraid to expose my real self to them. Cause I thought like, man, they love the shiny Chris. They don't love the real Chris. And when you finally can like love yourself or, or, or somebody says like, go take a bath. There are these things that just help us get out of our patterns. And they're so amazing. And that's one reason that I want to do the run across America is because I want to raise awareness around that mental, mental and behavioral health. I want to raise awareness around sexual abuse, physical abuse. Cause I was had physical abuse when I was a kid and, you know, usually mental and physical abuse go together really well. And then just, there's so many veterans and people out there that are just in pain, suffering, suffering in silence. And they think they have to stay in silence. And I love seeing anybody, male, female, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you I'm identify as in this world, you identify as a human, hopefully, and I identify as a human. And that's what we need to remember is we all identify as a human and or a spirit having a human experience, however you want to say it, like a human having a human experience. And it's, it's hard. It's fucking hard. It's not easy. And if we can raise more awareness and we get some people to speak up that have never spoke up before, and we can get them out of the darkness and realize, man, there's somebody else that's done this. There's some light. It can be a beautiful, it can be amazing and beautiful shift to the world, I believe. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, you just mentioned vets and people like that, like veterans, you know, for them to see someone like you, what you've been through and what they've been through, it gives them hope that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Because uh, before we came on, I was saying to you, you know, most of the episodes that, that I do, it, usually it's it's something that's happened to someone that hasn't been great. And then they've empowered themselves, got through it worked through it and then they're doing something else to either help other people because you know spreading the word that we're doing now about mental health 
uh, psychology, self-esteem, self-help. You know, if if someone listens to your story who has been abused um, and goes, oh, actually, that happened to me. Well, you know, it's 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 not a shame to go and talk to someone about that. It's actually okay to go and talk to someone about that. That empowers them to be able to do the things they need to do to create a change that will make them understand themselves better and realise that most of what's happened to them isn't their fault. It's not something they should be blaming themselves for or feeling shameful about. It's someone else that did that and, and, you know, you can forgive yourself because you didn't do anything wrong. And, you know, that's what I do this for because one story can change one life, one story can change 10 or 20 lives or more. And even if someone hears it and passes that information on to someone else, that's a great thing. And then they'll come to you and they'll go, hey, Chris, I heard your story. You know, can I have some sessions with you or can I hear a bit more about your story? You know, and those things help create a, a, a much wider change than us just sitting back, not doing anything. I know when I did the one, I did one with, um, uh, it's called uh, Child Rescue Coalition, a, a thing in America where they use technology to find pedophiles and that around the world. Yeah, yeah. When it first went out, hardly anyone listened. And then gradually people started to listen. And then I started to get emails, hey, that thing you said about someone taking a photo of my child off Facebook and putting it on a sex doll, I would never have thought that would have happened. Hmm. And I'm like, I didn't either until I had hmm. that conversation. But those sort of things, they impact people and then the conversation starts and then it, it became a bigger episode because people talk. But there's those things in our heads that I think we don't want to admit happen in life, you know, yeah. and for you to talk about it, it's good because it lets other people know, no, you don't have to live in the shame. You can come out and talk about it because there are people around that will help you through this. Yeah, and, and I just want to say, like, first, Daniel, thank you for having a platform where we can talk about this, right? Life changes you. It most certainly does. And none of us are getting out here, not changed. But I just, I just love the motto. And I love that there isn't just like, oh, I only do this one kind of podcast, right? There's a vast different kinds of podcasts that you put out there into the world. And that's so important. And in, in, in the last, I don't know, year, year and a half, we've been able to work with some of the foundations in America, like the Malou Foundation, stuff like that, that work with child molestation, Tim Tebow, if you know who he is, he's a famous football player, but he does a lot of work in Africa and child molestation and things like that. He has a foundation for it. It's really hard when, because these things we don't want to admit happen to us or, uh, or we know what happened to somebody else, or we don't want to admit it's happening in the world yet. It doesn't prevent it from happening. And it is. And I just think if we can, like you said, change one person's life, if one person listens to this and if, if nothing else, it, it, it helps improve my life. Right. But if one person listens to this and they it improves their life, we nailed it. Yeah. Look, I just wanted to pick up a point. You said that you like the fact that I do so many different people on, on this podcast, so many different topics. Um, that's why I do, look, I do all these different topics because I find all these different people interesting. However, I have had a few emails and messages from people going, oh, I listened last week and it was, say, about vulnerability and I really liked that and I really understood it. And then the next week it was about a, a cult and someone being raped and I didn't like that. And, you know, can you keep them all sort of, and I'm like, look, I could keep them all like that, but everybody's story is important. And if you don't want to hear that one, I do put the um, the thing on at the beginning, to, the, not the disclaimer, but but to say that this one talks about sexual abuse and you're free to drop out of a couple and then come back and listen because I think every topic is important and everybody I speak to, I get a different understanding of life, you know. I've had topics come up that I have no idea what they're talking about and by the end of it I go, wow, that was amazing. I'm so glad I had that person on here, you know. So it's good to have random topics, different people, and it's all about self-help and you know, looking after yourself and inspiration because you'll inspire yes. people from your story. I love that you're, I, I don't know if this will make sense to you, but like you're an open loop. You're, like you're not a closed loop system. You're an open loop system, meaning like you're just, oh, hey, I'm open to experiencing it. I'm open to, right? I believe it. like life is experiences and experiment. Like we are an experiment and it, life, we are here to experience it. And to, you know, like, I love that you're an open loop system. Like, I don't know what this person even is all, necessarily all about. I know like they've, they could inspire, they could, be a foundation for change in their own life and somebody else's life. And I think if, if nothing else from every different type of podcast you put out there, if there is that, and that seems to be your model from what I understand, like that's a beautiful thing. Well, yeah, look, as, as you said before, life changes you. 
we're going to get changed. It doesn't matter what we do. And so every different topic is about a different thing that will change your life. It can help you. It can hinder you. You can email me and say you don't like it. You can say you loved it. It doesn't matter. It's about opening up conversations and getting people talking about all these different things and not hiding different topics in the cupboard because, oh, we're all too scared to listen to that. You know, mainstream media don't cover a lot of what we or what I talk about on here unless it's someone's been found raped, bashed, murdered. You know, we find out the ending, whereas if we talk about these things open, we can actually mm. stop those endings happening by people being found out, people being pulled out of that loop and carrying on their life, you know. So it's about letting everybody know what goes on in the world and let's talk about it. I love that perspective. All right, Chris, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on i've really enjoyed talking to you and as i said you know i don't really know anything about you except those three points when we started and we've had a great conversation because i've learned from you as we've spoken thank you i appreciate it yeah if anybody wants to follow along the journey it's at chris avery coaching um it's on instagram you can follow me there i'm also on facebook but mostly on instagram and if you guys want to follow around along on the journey if you want to ask me any questions you can dm me if you want to follow along on the journey of running you can follow along if you have any questions or comments that you want to throw my way about anything that I've gone through or anything you're going through, and you just want to connect human to human, if you want more than that, great. If not, we can just connect and have some vulnerability and some connection with each other. And hopefully that's enough, at least a catalyst or a starting point for any of us to start healing more. Definitely. Look, go and follow Chris Avery Coaching on Instagram. He puts up some good posts on now. I've loved a few of them. You can follow his journey and uh, find out a bit more about him and have some positive daily updates. So to you, Chris, thank you so much for staying up late on a, I can't even remember what the day is now, Wednesday, Tuesday night. No, Monday night for you in America, afternoon here for me in Australia. So thank you so much. Thank you, Daniel. I appreciate it. I had a great time. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that was another episode of Life Changes You. If you liked it, please share it with your friends and share on social media and subscribe. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram and watch live conversations on Wednesdays and get daily updates. You can also follow the YouTube channel and watch live conversations and listen to the podcast from there. Keep sending in your emails and messages as I love reading them and interacting with you, and I'll always respond to you. So until next week... Take care of yourselves and each other.